Hey everyone, we just launched a new show called Request for Startups. In the first season, we've got a rotating lineup of tech founders and investors joining me to share their requests for startups they want to exist in the world, and also share their stories of navigating the idea maze in different sectors so founders don't have to reinvent the wheel anymore. The first episode is out now. We cover better dating apps, references as a service, and we work for productivity. Listen first, then build. Video episodes of the show are on our Substack. You'll find a link in the description. There used to be this, or it's still very common, of course, to have a technical co-founder and a non-technical co-founder. And it's very clear what the split is. The technical co-founder builds a thing. The non-technical founder That's does That's hilarious. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, haven't thought, I haven't thought about that idea in relation to this, where you went from like the salesy co-founder to the technical co-founder, and now we're in a world to where it's like, the co-founder with the audience and then the co-founder that's the operator. I haven't actually thought about that parallel at all, um, but it makes sense. It's kind of hilarious. Totally. Yeah. And and the fascinating thing is that the, the co-founder with the audience can easier, more easily work on several things at, at a time. I think the thing that's making us special right now is just that our team is operating out of just like sheer force of will. Like it's just a burn the ships mentality. We've decided that like success is the only option. And right now for the next 12 months, you know, we're willing to, to just throw everything we've got at it to succeed. I think there's tremendous untapped potential to build like SaaS businesses, service businesses that are B2B with a creator attached to it. Like it's just not something people have really done. Like every time you think of creator, typically it's like, you know, clothing or supplements or some kind of like food product or drink or whatever, but there's not a lot there in B2B. Welcome to Media Empires, where we sit down with the most influential media creators right now to learn exactly how they built their empires. Our aim is to extract the secrets of top-tier podcasters, newsletter authors, and media creators who are breaking the old rules for media success. Whether you're looking to start your own empires or simply curious about the nuts and bolts behind media businesses, you'll find valuable insights and tactics in each episode. Grab your headphones and let's dive in. Hunter, welcome to Media Empires. Thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me, Eric. We we had Sahil Bloom uh, a few weeks ago uh, on, on our podcast, and he uh, you know dropped what you're doing, he dropped some some breadcrumbs, and I thought we'd have the the man behind the curtain uh, of Assembly uh, join us and share a little bit about what, what, what you guys are building. Yeah, uh, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Hunter, why don't you start by giving a background on who you are? what you guys are doing and tell us the story of how, how you guys came to start it. Yeah. Uh, so who background. So I have been building businesses, uh, since I was 18, really, um, funny enough, it feels so weird to say it now, but like the first business I ever owned, I was the youngest person ever to be an authorized retailer for T-Mobile. So I'd saved up money, like hustling as a teenager. And then when I was 18, I was like, what can I do with 70 grand? And I was like, I can, I can do uh, a T-Mobile store. Uh, so that was the first thing I ever did. Um, and then after that, I've done everything from, you know, venture back startups that I, I founded to running a handful of different agencies. I always kind of found myself coming back to like agencies every now and then, just because I think that if you can operate an agency really, really well, and you can kind of, um, grow a ton in a niche, it can be a fantastic engine for free cash flow. Um, so I've done a lot of those. I've led design for Capital One um, and, and some of their teams and a handful of other stuff. Um, so just kind of been everywhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've been doing it very privately for years. I've never been big on social media or like tweeting or anything like that. Um, and after 
kind of departing my last agency, which was, you know, doing eight figures in annual revenue. And ultimately it grew to a point where I just hated it. Um, we'd gone from like the more creative aspects that I love to just really kind of embedded consulting. Right. Um, so we'd grown to the point where we'd be doing like, you know, multi-year, multi-million dollar kind of embedded consulting contracts to like throw 30 engineers into this Fortune 500 company or whatever it might be. And just grew to hate the work, wanted to sell it, um, got an offer that was, it was okay for agencies, but it was key man risk. So they wanted like a three-year lockup and I kind of had to make a decision of whether or not I felt like that was the best bet for me or whether or not I should just say, fuck it and not take the money. And ultimately I decided that I didn't want to do it. I wouldn't be happy. And then I could make more money just building something new. Um, so it took six months off and, um, Sahil and I have been close for a long time and have always been trying to find something to work on together. Um, and he's like, dude, we got to build something together. We got to build something together. And I'm like, I'm going to take six months off. I'm going to be a degenerate and just like play poker and video games and golf. And like, then I'll, I'll hit you up and we'll see. Um, and after my little sabbatical, we kind of came to each other with the same idea, which was pretty funny, um, which was to essentially the build creator led B2B focused businesses. Um, but a lot of our discussion was like, you know, do we self fund it? Cause we're both pretty fortunate or do we raise money or, or what do we want to do? And the push that I had was no, like let's put $0 in. Let's just start it from scratch, completely bootstrapped. And what we'll do is we'll build agencies because they're fantastic free cash flow engines. If we can get the right audience, we can scale it really quickly. Um, and then we'll use that money to go and do like bigger, more ambitious things. Um, and somewhere along the way of kind of getting assembly started and doing that, I talked myself into doing one business a month for 12 months. Um, and so now we're four or five months into it. I don't even know four, four months. Um, and it's just, uh, I'm not regretting it yet, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's, it's been a ton of fun. And, and we're recording this in um, August the 4th. Yeah, we're recording this August 4th. You've just launched the Ali Abdal, uh, mm. the YouTube agency with Ali Abdal. We're probably going to release this in mid-September or something. So you might have the next uh, agency launched but by, 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 by then. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, okay, so you're a hold co first for agencies, and then you're going to build other things. What When you share the agencies that you've currently uh, started today, or what, what's in the hold co today? Yeah. And the whole code today, um, so we have off menu, which is our design agency. Um, so off menu is, um, actually going to relaunch. It never really launched. Like we've launched all these businesses with creators and it's been this huge, um, kind of attention grabbing thing in that particular market for the business. Um, but off menu, we've never launched. So we're rebuilding that company right now. That'll launch later this month in August. Um, we're also launching a business in the podcasting space, um, in August as well. So that's kind of cool. the August business. Um, and then we operate viral cuts with Cody Sanchez and Sam Parr, which is our short form, uh, video editing agency that's doing insanely well. Um, we've got keyframe, which is an animation agency with Dan Co. Uh, we have Hey Friends, which is our YouTube agency with Ali Abdal. And so you'll notice that those three are all in the video category. Um, so we're kind of taking this categorical approach. Um, so now we're done with the video, we're moving on to podcasting as a category, and then we have off menu, which kind of represents our design and no code space as a category. So we're exploring that some more. Fascinating. And so what are the future categories? So you, you, you mentioned one a month for a year. You've, we just talked about five or six. 
where do you go from here? It's a great question. <laughs> or or um, even high level, is it just more services for creators basically? It's not necessarily services for creators um, as much as it is us. So, so the way that we think, um, we, we look at our friends. Who are we friends with that are creators that are known for a specific niche? So if you take Ollie, for example, we'll just use him throughout this conversation. Ollie is really well known for YouTube. Um, sure, he's like the most followed productivity expert in the world or, or um, whatever, but he's also taught thousands of people how to succeed on YouTube through part-time YouTuber Academy. And so we look at uh, we look at our network and we look at friends of ours that have clear subject matter expertise in a specific niche, right? And we say, okay, is there a business that we can build in that niche with them as the creator leading the brand to then tap into their audience, right? Um, so Hey Friends launched Monday. Today is Friday, August the 4th. So it's been in the wild for five days. Um, I wrote a tweet. I have a tiny following. I think I have like 10,000 followers. Ollie wrote a tweet. He has like 300,000 followers. And then he posted on LinkedIn. He's about 100,000 followers there. We took in 6,000 unique visitors to the site. And the MRR interest, just the leads for monthly recurring revenue, are in the seven figures, right? Um, so we're really trying to target into what we consider product audience fit. So what is the right product for that creator's audience that we think can grow like crazy? Um, and then we're also looking at spaces that are fragmented and don't have like a clear winner. Um, so it's less of us sitting down with a list of businesses that we want to build. We do have one. But we're more interested in what are the right opportunities with creators that we have a good relationship with to where we think there's product audience fit. Let's go build that business. And so the thing that I think people don't get is that we're doing all of these in 30 days. So like the, the business that launches in August, we haven't even started working on yet. We know what it is, right? We have the creator signed up for it, but we haven't actually started working on it. I don't know how much it's going to cost. I don't know how to tell the story of the business. I don't know what the name's going to be, but by the end of the month, we'll have all that. Yeah. Fascinating. And let's peel under the, under the curtain a little bit. So someone like Cody Sanchez or Sampar or Ali Abdal, these people are, have big audiences and they're business people. So they, yep. they, they know how to incubate businesses. They themselves could build a service um, or, or the product service that they're working on, but they partner with you and you have some chunk in that business. Why do they partner with you instead of just do it on themselves by themselves? I think operational excellence, um, honestly, is kind of what we strive for. Do we achieve that? I don't know. Ask them. Like, I think that they're all happy, <laughs> yeah. um, but I think it's, it's operational excellence, right? Um, the other thing is that, you know, uh, paying more attention to Twitter, I see a ton of people talking about like, oh, I'm going to build this. I'm going to build a business to build creator businesses or whatever. And then no action is taken. And I think the one thing that we demonstrate is that we move really fucking fast. And like everything that we do is about what we're actually doing, not what we're saying. Um, and so when we approach a creator and we say, hey, we want to build this business with you, they know from our track record, even as short as it is, it's pretty substantial. And I think that sends a signal of confidence of like, oh, they're going to actually fucking do this and they're going to do it quickly. And it's going to be an amazing brand. It's going to be amazing quality and clients are going to be really happy. Um, and that's kind of what we've been striving for. So I think that's one of the benefits of doing it with us. Yeah. And the um, say more about what the operational excellence means in, in the sense of like, how is your company structured or, 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 or you know, how many employees do you have? If you have employee, like how, how do you what, what's you know behind the whole cup? 
Yeah. So everything we do is in house. Um, so we don't, we don't do freelancers or anything like that. So, um, the team today, I want to say is approaching 50. Um, it should be over a hundred before the end of this quarter. Um, so we're hiring like crazy. Um, in some cases we're adding like five or more team members per week. Um, because truly like we're in this very fortunate position right now to where the demand for the businesses that we've built far exceeds the capacity. Like, it's kind of wild to be honest with you. Um, so sometimes it's like, holy shit, is this really happening? <laughs> like that's a lot. Um, but it's, it's been good. So, um, when it comes to that, I think every business that we're operating today is basically a productized service, right? Um, so they all follow kind of the same playbook. And one of the things that allows us to operate so well is that one, the core team that we started with, I've been working with for years. Right. Like these are these are people that I know really deeply. Um, I don't even need to go into this deep process of like hiring and training and managing them. Like we just we know how to work together. If we are going to tackle like some new problem, I have a really good understanding of how they're going to approach it. And likewise. Um, so that's one of the benefits that we started with. And we built a playbook for how our productized agency should run based off of years of running eight figure agencies, right? So we kind of know like what the landmines are and what to avoid. Um, and then from there, we're just really staying on top of communication with customers, constantly checking in, seeing if there's friction points and using all of that information in real time to update our playbooks and our strategy, which we then roll out across every company all at once. So if we run into an issue with a customer at Viral Cuts, for example, and there's a solution that we come up with, it's well documented. And then we make sure that that same solution is applied to every business because they all follow the same fundamental rules. Customer makes a request. We have X amount of time to fulfill the request. Um, the request gets delivered. We receive feedback, right? Like there's the same fundamental structure of operations. Hey Friends is a little different because it's more full service at a certain point. Same with off menu. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of able to run really quickly. And for, for the honest, I might not be familiar. Can you say more what you mean when you say productized service? Like why is the productized so important there? Like what, what is the, what is the difference and how do you think differently about building agencies or these services than usual? Yeah. I mean, so there's no special treatment basically, right? So it doesn't matter if you're a customer of ours that has, you know, 5 million followers on, you know. Twitter or Instagram or whatever, or you're somebody that's just starting and you're looking to grow your audience through short form video. It doesn't matter if you're a startup that's raised $150 million that comes off menu to do like a brand, or if you're a creator that's just starting to build a brand from day one, right? Like we treat everybody the same because each business follows the same fundamental rules. Um, so for off menu, for example, it's a flat $15,000 per month. And that includes everything that you need from research, strategy, design, web flow, like kind of optimization and conversion. Um, everything is included, um, but there's a there's a really tight filter of how that, that service works. Um, so really you're paying a flat rate uh, that never changes. It's not a variable. It's a flat rate per month for a very specific output of services. We don't do deadlines. Um, we don't do special treatment. Right. So it's it's a lot like buying like a SaaS product. Right. But at the end of the day, instead of software powering the output, it's it's human beings ultimately powering the, the service output. Um, so that's kind of how we think about it is, is productize um, is taking a service, putting a really tight filter of what you get, like what the output is and then what that costs and, and how that process works. 
it's helpful. Say more about what the 50 to is giving me a hundred people. What does that look like in terms of, is it like, Hey, 10 people on viral cuts, 10 people on Hey friends, or, or is it, you know, more general horizontal across what, what does the org look like? Um, I would say that like, so Hey friends just launched, it already has a, a pretty significant size team. Um, I can see that team alone being over 50 people in the next like 90 days as we scale yeah. that up. Um, viral cuts is, is growing quite quickly and we'll have a pretty large team off menu is a little different. We keep off menu a little bit smaller because instead of going for like a lot of people, um, with off menu, we just hire the absolute best designers that we can. Right. So the team at off menu are a, they're really expensive <laughs> and B, they are just the top of like absolute design talent in the world. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that one's a little bit, a little bit different than the rest. Totally zooming out. I, I think you guys are pioneering what a lot of people are going to do um, in different ways. This kind of hold co model or you know, startup studio model for for services to start, and then you could build other things on top of it. I, I think there's a few things that have happened here. I, I think one, a lot of people are getting disillusioned with venture capital, this sort of all or nothing game yep. um, where you know if you win, you win enormous, but most people don't win. And we're seeing a lot of these unicorns for the past few years have been fake, and so there's been very mm -hmm. few winners. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot, it's separately, in addition, it's getting easier to start companies. You don't need as much money. And so, um, and then also this kind of venture capital factory model. And we talk about this in, in our episode with Sam Lesson that listeners should check out on our VC show. We talk about how VC is just going to look different instead of this model where it's like, a, I don't want to say Ponzi scheme necessarily, but it's like you raise C rounds, you raise series A, you raise series B, and you keep selling to the highest bidder. Basically, the public markets, we've realized that a lot of these companies are fake. So that's going to ripple down. And so there's a lot of VC, you know, is, is going to change and it's going to look like, Hey, maybe you raise a seed round and you don't raise again. You just get profitable off that because this, this market of continuously packaging for the next bidder, it's not going to work anywhere, It'll work anymore to the same degree that it did. So a lot of people this past decade have been disillusioned with venture. And then, and, and, and separately, we, as we mentioned, it's easier to get companies off the ground. Audience is what really matters or, or distribution is, is what really matters. And so if you yeah. have distribution like you have. If you can bootstrap these businesses, um, you know you could do several of them. Um, and I think more and more people are going to do it. I, I'm exploring it um, from a, kind of a startup angle, um, services to to startups. So I have this you know media company. I'm exploring mm -hmm. a recruiting company. Um, you know maybe a uh, like different services that that startups need. Like my brother's in mm -hmm. real estate. I'm trying to get him uh, to uh, to leave and start a, a real estate company that, that services startups and. So I, I'm, I'm, and I think a lot of people are going to explore this model for different kind of niches. I think one question I have is, as I think about like, you know, let's I'm, I'm in final negotiations with this recruiting uh, entrepreneur to start a recruiting company together is, is really thinking about what is kind of division of labor, the division of responsibilities when someone is full time versus I have like a cold co. And so it's, I'm having a hard time uh, or like nailing down the exact division of labor when yeah, it's just a few people spread out as opposed to one person all all, all in. Um, and, and we're going to be, you know, close partners on this business. What advice might you have to someone like me or other people who are looking to do these kind of hold co or incubator like models, maybe in, in different areas, um, or different niches, um, but trying to partner with with talent and, and um, sort of promise a division of labor that, that makes the most sense? So if I understand your question correctly, what it sounds like you're asking is if I am the one with the audience, 
kind of starting this whole co. Yep. How do I partner with operators and what's the right division of labor? Is that is that what I'm understanding? Yes. Okay. Yes. I don't necessarily know that there's an equation that relates to time as much as it relates to value, right? So like uh, if we look at Sahil, so Sahil Bloom and I are co-founders. We're very close friends. We have a great relationship. There's a lot of trust. When it comes to assembly, could we have started assembly and gotten to where we are today? Like, could I have done that on my own without Sawhill? Absolutely not. Right. Um, could Sawhill have found an operator like me to take us to where we are today? Probably not as well. Right. Um, like, I think the ultimate equation comes here is, is there a really strong fit and dynamic between the two? And is there enough of a value in the time that is provided? So, for us, like Sahil's not an operator, and he'll tell you that. I think he did on, on the podcast he did with you. Like, yeah. He's not an operator. That's not his yeah. skill set. That's my skill set. I don't have a million followers on Instagram. That's not, I um, mean, uh, on Twitter. That's not my skill set. That's his, right? Um, so I think it's it's more so a match of what is the skill set, what is the value that's derived from that skill set, and then kind of finding out what is the fair value of of how you know the the equity or you know uh, you know cash participation shakes out over time. Um, yeah, that's, that's the way that I look at it at least. Totally. And, and so, yeah, it's almost like, you know, there used to be this, or it's still very common, of course, to have a technical co-founder and a non-technical co-founder. And it's very clear what the split is. The technical co-founder builds a thing. The non-technical co-founder does everything. Yeah. (laughs) I haven't thought, I haven't thought about that idea in relation to this, where you went from like the salesy co-founder to the technical co-founder. And now we're in a world to where it's like, the co-founder with the audience and then the co-founder that's the operator. I haven't actually thought about that parallel at all, um, but it makes sense. It's kind of hilarious. Totally. You know? And and the fascinating thing is that the, the co-founder with the audience can easier, more easily work on several things at, at a time, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, as you mentioned, it's 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 about value, right? And so mm-hmm. there's this, um, when, you, when you have a co- uh, audience co-founder and a operator co-founder is basically like one is in charge of demand and one is in charge of supply basically or, or like you know fulfilling the product and so yeah you, you just need to come to some agreement of like or, or some expectation around uh hey you know you're going to bring this much demand and you're going to service the product or you know the customer with this level of quality and so at, at, at some point it's a leap of faith but you need to have the right expectations that that this is good but it's not as clear-cut as the technical co-founder because they usually have to be full time in order to build like a amazing product and you can't work on several one of these. And that's just more, we have more precedence for what that looks like in terms of division mm-hmm. of labor, in terms of economics, um, et cetera. So yeah, like there's no, yeah, we're in the wild west here where, we're, you know, people are creating new, new precedents for, for, for what the, what these look like. Yeah. I mean, I think in the case, uh, you know, the, the data point I'll use is Sawhill, right? So Sawhill has involvement in a couple of other businesses. And I, it's not for me to talk about like that in detail, but I know that they're, they're, they're you know, kind of participatory stakes, right? Um, but when you look at, I think, his um, time that gets allotted to those other businesses that aren't assembly, it's much, much smaller than the time that's allotted to assembly. Um, and then when you look at just the size of the businesses, like they're pretty small compared to what we're doing at assembly. Right. Um, so when it comes to that, like with assembly, uh, it's set up in a way that I just kind of, I do my thing. I run at full speed. Um, there, there's no, we're not having board meetings. We're not having votes, right? Like it's just, you know, heads down, let's go as fast as we humanly can. 
And, you know, I think if you're in a situation to where the, the one with the audience, the kind of creator partner um, is involved in other things, as long as they're not competitive, like at the end of the day, if it's not taking value away from what you're building, who cares? Right. Um, you know, I, I think it works out really well. Yeah, it's um, it's it's really interesting. Um, so, OK, let, let, let's talk about this this plan. So you have 12 businesses uh, or, you know, you're, you're going to have 12 business, uh, an agency a month for, for a year. Um, you know, when I had and I'm curious where you go next, um, at, even at a high level, like um, when I had Sahil on, we were talking about Harry Stebbings as an example because he's someone who's built this big audience in the VC space and, and entrepreneur space. He's got this mm -hmm. great media asset and th there's a few different paths he could take. And he's very ambitious himself. He's done really well. He's raised a fund. He's a good buddy of mine, but just using him as a analogy, like he could start a productized service, like a podcast agency with you guys, right? A lot mm -hmm. of people in, in tech would want to, you know, uh, have a podcast like what he has. He could start a venture firm, uh, service like uh, some sort of fund management tool that all his customer or listeners might might pay mm -hmm. for. He could also try to get you know some minority stake in the next like Carta or AngelList or some sort of software product that sells right. to to his audience. And so those are a few different paths um, that he could pursue based on his kind of risk reward. Um, you know, some have higher uh, risk, high reward, um, and you know based on his interests. You guys have chosen services to begin with because, um, you know, it's ca cash generative. It's your expertise on with agencies. Say more about wh where where that could go in the future. Well, so we didn't solely choose services because they generate cash, right? Um, and this is kind of part of our longer term thinking is that I'm really interested in the idea of vertical integration for anything that we want to do in the future. So, like, let's say there's a world in which we do like a... Um, like a CPG product or something, right? Like, or, or D to C, you know, whatever it is, something physical, right? Well, if I'm going to take that to market for a creator, even if they have an audience, there's still a lot of things I need to do. I need to build a brand. I need to build a great e-commerce experience that converts really well. I need to do like CRO and kind of retention stuff. I need to, uh, I, I need video, right? Like I need to market that on short form video. Um, so when you look at everything that you're going to need to take a bigger swing, you need a lot of creative horsepower, right? So for us, we wanted to build all these agencies that are actually a really beautiful flywheel into each other. Um, and we have, you know, customers that are come into one agency and then suddenly they're working with like three of our agencies and it's beautiful. Um, but for us in the future, we not only have this really great cash flow engine, but we also have the ability to fulfill any creative need or marketing need or video production need or whatever the hell it is in the future, all in-house. And it's not an in-house thing that's that's you know really kind of a, a cost center for us. It's something that's a profit center, right? So that was the first thing. And that's why we've chosen some of the agencies to build that we have, because they serve as the foundation of everything. If you look at each business that we're building, like Hey Friends, so for anybody that's listening, go to heyfriends.studio and check it out. The brand, the experience, the site, the video, like every bit of that is beautiful, right? And that all comes from the design agency. So when we were saying, okay, we're going to need video editors for Hey Friends and we're going to need this really cool show reel to stand up for Hey Friends. Well, good thing for us, like we already had video people in-house for viral cuts, right? 
Um, so everything that we're building kind of feeds into the next project. And so when we think about phase two of assembly, which is kind of diverging away from service businesses and going into other creator-led uh, businesses, um, we'll already have all of that horsepower in-house. And not only that, but our goal, um, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about this really transparently because I think it's, it's kind of ridiculous to say out loud, but also we're doing it. Our goal is to get the $25 million in ARR in 18 months, totally bootstrapped. Um, and you know, we just completed our third month, right? Um, so now that we're moving into August, this is our fourth month of being in existence. We just completed our third month and we're in the, we're in the multiple seven figures of, of ARR right now. And we're running the whole business at a 50% plus net margin, right? Across the board. Um, so I think we'll crack 10 million before the end of this year. Um, and so it feels to us like that goal is, is kind of within reach. Um, and once we get there, we'll have the ability, you know, to kind of take big swings at things that are interesting to us without putting any of the other businesses at risk. Fascinating. In terms of your expertise, if someone's listening to this and says, Hey, I'm a great operator. I haven't run agencies before, uh, but I, I want to do something like this. Like, what do you think that you have that something like, you know, who was a great operator at some startup doesn't have, like, what is the, the specific kind of like agency expertise of having done it before that is, um, that is really hard to develop if, if it is. I, I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer. <laughs> like I, you're, you're basically saying like, what makes you special? I don't fucking know. Right. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I, I think at the end of the day, when it comes to the agencies, yeah, there's a lot of historical knowledge there that helps us build them really fast. There's a network that's been established over years that helps us get access to creative talent really fast and a, and a good reputation there. So there's definitely a lot of unfair advantages there. Um, but when it comes to the rest of it, like I, I think honestly, if you look at what we're doing today, we're building agencies, we're building them really fast. They're really operationally complex. We're doing a ton of hiring. Like everything that we're doing is just, it's kind of hard. And so I think the thing that's making us special right now is just that our team is operating out of just like sheer force of will. Like it's just a burn the ships mentality. We've decided that like success is the only option. And right now for the next 12 months, you know, we're willing to, to just throw everything we've got at it to succeed. And, you know, obviously I think that, you know, the best companies in, in history kind of take that approach. Um, so that's been our mentality and it's, it's going pretty well so far. Yeah. It's fascinating. And and so let's say you get to this 25 million ARR in 18 months and you've mm. got these agencies and they're humming. What potential things could, could that enable you to do even high level? Like where, where could this look like in a few years, if you reach your, 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 you know, your goal here? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we want to, we want to build things to where we feel that we're really passionate about it. Like for example, um, I don't think we'd be the right people to ever like try and attempt something like prime, right? Like that's, yeah. that's not really us. Um, but when it stays in that lane of kind of, uh, I think B2B, um, is a huge focus for us, making sure that we're doing a lot of interesting things there. I think there's tremendous untapped potential to build like SaaS businesses, service businesses that are B2B with a creator attached to it. Like, it's just not something people have really done. Like every time you think of creator, typically it's like, you know, clothing or supplements or some kind of like food product or drink or whatever, but there's not a lot there in B2B. So I think that's a huge opportunity for us to just keep exploring is like, how do we do more stuff in B2B and move away from 
um, move away from just productized services. So we're starting to have a lot of really interesting conversations today with creators that are super niche and have huge audiences. And so there is kind of this game that we're playing of like, how creative can we get about how to build a business in a niche? One of my favorite examples, um, you know, our friend Nick Huber, um, you know, what he's done at RE Cossack, right? Like he had this like very niche audience where he's known for something. And it's obviously gotten more broad now, but he was able to build a super interesting niche offering there, um, you know, for cost segregation studies, right? Um, so we'll look at things that are in that kind of level of specificity, um, but that we think can be at least a $5 million a year business. Yeah, that, that, that that's fascinating. Did you guys put any money into the business or you just- um... not, a, not a dollar. Wow. Not a dollar. Yeah. So you hired 50 people just based on the, the money that was coming in? Yeah, because you pay us up front for the month, right? Yeah. Um, so you pay us up front for the month. So there, there's definitely, to start, there was a pretty careful balance to like how we were looking at OPEX. Um, so it's kind of a high wire act there. Um, but after, you know, 30 days, I, I think after like 30 days, we'd hit a cash cushion in the six figures. Um, and so we're, we're pretty okay now. And that's only getting better. So yeah, we, we literally truly did not invest a single dollar. Now I will say this, I will say this, Sawhill was a customer of a couple of the businesses and I made him pay for it. I was like, dude, you gotta, you gotta pay. <laughs> like you can't come in for freebies. We don't have the capacity right now. So you gotta be a paying customer. Um, so he likes to, he likes to say that he like, you know, did a seed investment, which isn't true. <laughs> he just paid for services. Um, but yeah, we didn't invest a single dollar. Wow. That, that, that's yeah. fascinating. Where do you think just the broader ecosystem, like five years from now, do you think there are hundreds of these that, that exist or how do you think the, 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 the broader ecosystem changes? Um, are you guys pioneers to something that's going to be much bigger, or like a bigger trend? Or what do you think? That's a really good question. Um, I think that there are examples of creators that are kind of doing this like hold co thing. But then my question is, well, what does that actually mean? Right? Does it mean that you just took like a small percentage stake in a company to like talk about it here and there? Or are you actually involved in building that business? And is it a substantial business? So I, I think based on what I'm seeing today, there's going to be a lot of players where creators are getting involved in businesses. I think especially after as loud as we've been about what we're building, you'll see a lot more creators kind of getting involved with um, like B2B businesses, service businesses, things like that. Um, I think that will happen. But in terms of whether or not I think that there's going to be this, this huge boon of true like creator-led hold codes that are operating at a scale. Um, I don't really think so. Um, just because, because it's, it's really difficult, um, to execute on, it's really difficult to build that relationship with creators. It's really diff difficult to build a handful of different businesses that are like high signal and, and high integrity in terms of how they operate. Um, so like, you know, the guys over at, um, night media, like read over there is a huge inspiration to us because like, you know, they're, they're doing this at a very different level. Like we don't have a Mr. Beast. You know, um, we've got an Ali Abdal and a Sam Parr, uh, but they're, you know, pale in comparison to the the audience reach of, of somebody like Mr. Beast and the reach that comes with that. Um, so I, I think you'll have players like them in the space that are really dominating, just like um, what's what's the company that's doing Prime? Um, Congo, like companies like Congo uh, that kind of own a lane. Right. And then I think you'll have other companies that are you know doing a handful of, of smaller different things. Yeah. What, what companies do you or people do you guys look up to in the sense of 
you know, you, you've taken things from them or you're learning from them or you're, you know, um, in your own way, of course, but, uh, that have, that have helped inspire the vision for what you're going for or, or that you think are doing interesting things. I don't really think there, there are any that we're looking at, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, even, even when it comes to the services that we're running today. So, so I'll take K friends, for example, um, Eric, can you name a YouTube agency for me? Um, no, <laughs> right. Uh, I, um, I, I can name some individuals like, uh, Patty, um, or Patty Jamie. Galloway. Yeah. yeah. Jamie. Yeah. I, I know both those guys. Well, they're both fantastic, yeah. Yeah. but they don't run YouTube studios. They help with right. strategy and growth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what we're looking at, I think is obviously as we think about product audience fit again, the, the key thing there is, is it a fragmented market? Right. Um, is it something to where there's no big brand, there's no big player? Like everybody and their mom is trying to make short form video, but can you name a big short form video brand other than viral cuts? Probably not, right? Um, so I think for us, like we're trying to take that approach. And then when when we look at building that service, um, really we're just trying to think of like, what is, what is the core of this? So going from my old agency days to building off menu, we've had tons of people be like, oh, this is, this reminds me a lot of like design joy. It's like, how? Like, I understand that there's a fixed cost per month, but like what we do is very different. We don't tell some story that it's like unlimited. Like it's a very finite offering. It's expensive. It's premium. There's a huge team behind it. All we did was take the creative agency model and we just said like, what is all this like useless process in here that isn't necessary for us to do great creative work for, for customers? And we just cut it all out. And that's kind of the approach that we've taken for all the businesses that we're building is like, how do we strip this down to the core and build a model that provides a ton of value to our customer, allows us to create a, an exceptional experience for them, and then just focus on the creative output of the work. Um, and that's how we're, we're building all of our, our service businesses. So I don't think that there's anything specific that we're looking at um, today as we kind of diverge away from the services and go into phase two and think about like, you know, how might we partner with a creator to build like a, a physical good or, you know, product that is not just a, a service businesses. Um, I'm sure there's, there's inspiration that we can take there. Um, but today I would say we're just laser focused on the value creation for customers based on that, that audience fit. Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, at the hold co level, this is very different, but tiny, um, as you know, inspired many people in terms of, um, you know, the combination of, of buying companies, of incubating companies of, uh, you know, they have their own big agency. Yep. So that, 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 that's a model that has inspired me at least. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, I assume that, you know, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. The thing about tiny that I love, cause we've had people be like, oh, well you're just building agencies. And it's like, sure we are but like if you really understand the mechanics of how good agency operates they make a lot of money and so if you look at tiny i think that they're doing like 80 82 83 million a year or, or last year from their agencies alone wow so they're they're doing 202 million dollars a year in revenue in 2022 and 80 plus million of that was agencies right so there's there's tremendous opportunities here to scale these businesses um and so yeah, I, I love the structure that that Tiny's created. Um, and maybe one day as we start to think about, you know, how are we raising like sidecars or other investment vehicles to go and buy businesses that are interesting to us, we'll adopt some elements of that model for sure. Yeah. And on the hold co level, it, does it look like any other incubator in the sense of, I mean, do you have like a CFO, a COO, like, uh, like what, what are the shared um, services to the extent that that's, you know, open to be communicated? 
Yeah, we're just building those now, honestly. Um, so it's kind of this crazy thing to where I basically just, I've, I've been leading every business. I still am. Like I run all of these businesses myself. If there's an issue, somebody's coming to me. Um, so it, it feels like my brain is scattered into like 10,000 little pieces. Um, and it's not the best right now. Um, and so I definitely need to slow down a little bit. So um, we just brought on a COO who's starting to get ramped up. Um, the shared services team, essentially the way this works, um, and I'm happy to talk about it. So um, Assembly Ventures is the hold co. Um, and then each subsequent company is broken into categories. So there's like one video company that owns the subsidiaries of like, Hey Friends, Viral Cuts, Keyframe. There's one company that owns the subsidiaries of, of Off Menu and some other stuff that we're building, et cetera. Um, so there's kind of that, that ladder and, you know, those in businesses are treated as like disregarded entities. Um, and then everything kicks back up to the old co over a certain threshold. So for the shared services team, um, the way that works is that there's myself, there's my COO. Um, we just kicked off a hiring spree for recruiters, um, internal um, kind of content team members. Um, we're bringing on some account executives um, because we're fielding like on an average week, we probably do over a hundred sales calls that come in, um, which we're gonna change. We're gonna filter that more tightly, but it's a thing that we're doing. Um, and then off menu, um, acts as kind of the, the branding and design and storytelling arm for every business that we're standing up. And then there's a payback period to where, you know, like, let's say we just, um, we launched uh, viral cuts at the beginning of June. It's now like doing like healthy seven figures. So viral cuts owes off menu money, right? So off menu kind of does that work for free for viral cuts. And then viral cuts has to pay off menu for those services. Um, so everything kind of flows that way. Um, they're all treated as, you know, distinct entities. Um, and then we also have, um, kind of an operator at the hold co level right now that helps run some of the businesses. Um, and we'll continue to build that out as we grow, but I don't anticipate hiring CEOs for our businesses until they kind of reach the like four to $5 million run rate mark. Um, and then some of them that kind of run themselves like viral cuts and keyframe are kind of on autopilot. Um, those are situations where we might just hire like a GM that oversees that to make sure the process isn't breaking. Yeah. So I mentioned that I'm, rec uh, you know, recruiting this entrepreneur to help build a recruiting company and I also have a media company and I might have an events company at some point. And he's saying, well, you know, how do you think about the different, different companies? Because the recruiting company itself might want to get into events or might want to get into media. And so do they potentially compete in, 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 in some way? And something I could, I could imagine, and you've probably scoped it really clearly, but like one of your companies might say, Hey, we're successful at this agency. And the creator might be like, why don't I also do this other one, but you already have it. And so I guess, what advice would you give me, um, in, in, in that situation? That's a good question. Um, I guess, I guess my thinking there is if this is a situation as you, so as you describe, like you're talking about working with an entrepreneur to build a recruiting agency, but you also might get involved in, in, um, like you already have a media business. You might get involved in events and they're saying, well, this recruiting agency might want to do events or might want to do media. Right. Well, my question there would be like, is there a specific niche? Right. Is that media and recruiting around or, uh, in, and events around like recruiting as a niche. Well, it, are your other businesses playing in that niche? Right. And then the other question is like, well, if you own a, a stake in all of them, like, why do you give a shit? Right. Um, so for us, the situation is a little different to where it's like, I'll, I'll use Sam. So 
what would I do if Sam texted me and was like, yo, I'm going to, I'm going to get involved with this other video company. I, I'd clearly be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's not cool. Right. But it's, it's different in your situation as described because you have ownership in all of them. So I, I think that if you look at us, so we have viral cuts, which is short form and that's video. And then we have Hey Friends, which is long form, right? They're two distinct niches that require very different teams, very different skill sets, ways of working, et cetera. Um, and we have different creators for them. I do not view them as competitive businesses at all. In fact, we refer customers from viral cuts to Hey Friends and then Hey Friends to viral cuts, right? Yeah. So if you want short form video from Hey Friends, you can't do it. You have to buy it through viral cuts. Totally. Um, and that's one of the ways that we keep those relationships distinct. Yeah. The equivalent would be if Sam said, Hey, once viral cuts crushes it, you know, achieves its potential, we're also going to going to want to get into the Hey Friends territory. And I don't want to take that option off the table or something or podcast agency even. Um, and I think what, what maybe you would say, or I would say is, Hey, viral cuts itself can get so big on its own. Let's like scope it to this, make sure we absolutely crush it. I, I don't know. Is that something that You'd say you just align on expectations. I think I think aligning on expectations is one thing, but it would also be the conversation of like, so Sam is running Hampton, for example. Like he has a business. Yeah. Cody's very busy. Ollie's very busy. Like yeah. all of our creators are successful in something else that they're doing. Um, so if there is a situation to where they're like, oh, I want to start this other business from scratch, I would expect that they would come to me and be like, you want to do this? Because they know that if they execute that business with us, it'll be done. It'll be done really, really well, and it'll have high standards, and they'll get a great deal out of it. Um, so I think that's the way that I would look at it specifically. Um, but you know, obviously, if if we partner with a creator to build a specific business, we kind of agree not to build another one of those with another creator, and we 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 basically ask the same thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Each business that you launch is basically at seven figures um, in in terms of. Uh, demand or, or like, I guess, what are the state of the different businesses as of August 4th in terms of what you could share? I try to be careful about this because I don't, I don't enjoy communicating it in the sense of like, oh, wow, look what we did so quickly. Right. Cause it's, it's kind of unrealistic for the average, you know, yeah. like I hate all those posts like I've, I, on Twitter where it's like, you know, I'm at eight figures and whatever. Um, and I've certainly written some stuff on Twitter. That's like, you know, how to build a productized business. And I just go deep and I share it all openly. So, you know, I try to, also give disclosures of like, like we're kind of cheating in the way that we're building these businesses. Um, but the general, the general thing is that all of our businesses have hit a seven figure runway within the first 30 days. Um, and then we artificially limit the amount of customers based on, you know, us wanting to fine tune the process, make sure we're really delivering like the best caliber of service. Um, and then from there, we're scaling the team behind the scenes and growing it. So um, what I would say is like, across the board. So we're, it's August the 4th. Assembly's already grown 20% this month so far. Um, we'll grow over 100% this month. Um, and all of those businesses are, are doing over a million a year in annual revenue right now. Um, and then some of them are, are going to be crossing into the multi seven figures um, and then growing quite a lot from there. Yeah. Fascinating. It's uh, it, it's really inspiring. I appreciate you uh, building in public and, and sharing your 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 lessons um, with us. Um, and, and to that end, Gary, towards closing, if you were to do, let's say, a a, a season or you know, ten part, um, you know, podcast, ten show podcast, it's kind of like you know, unpacking the things that you've learned about building agencies. What do you think would be, or, or uh, you know, a, a blog post, ten part blog? Um, what do you think would be some of the titles or headlines or, ch or chapter titles of what, of what you ch share? Oh, wow. Um, 
I don't even know. I mean, that's it. That's so tough. I, you're, you're asking me to write headlines on the spot and I can't do it. Um, I think that, I think the general arc of all of this is, is that everything that we're doing is super iterative, right? So for us, um, we're not, we don't approach anything that we're doing in a static sense to where like, oh, wow, you know, this is the price and this is the offer. Like we're, we're iterating those things really quickly. Like sometimes even within days, we're tweaking that. So, hey, friends is five days old and we've already iterated on the pricing model. Right. Um, so I, I think for us, like the chapter is just like the whole the whole story of the book. I'm not going to give you 10, 10 chapters. I'm going to just give you the whole thing sure. of the book is just like be open and iterate. Yeah. Right. Um, it goes back to like my favorite thing ever is the opening line of principles to where, you know, Ray Dalio is basically like, you know, you need to know that I'm a dumb shit relative to what I need to know. Right. Yeah. And I just love that mentality. Um, so that's kind of the, the approach that we take. Totally. That's a great, great place to close. Um, Hunter, thanks so much for, for sharing your wisdom with us. And um, yeah, we're all going to uh, we're, we're at Media Empire's big fans of what, what you guys are doing. So really, really appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you so much, Eric. Turpentine is a network of podcasts, newsletters, and more covering tech, business, and culture, all from the perspective of industry insiders and experts. We're the network behind the show you're listening to right now. At Turpentine, we're building the first media outlet for tech people by tech people. We have a slate of hit shows across a range of topics and industries, from AI with Cognitive Revolution to Econ 102 with Noah Smith. Our other shows drive the conversation in tech with the most interesting thinkers, founders, and investors, like Moment of Zen and my show Upstream. We're looking for industry-leading hosts and shows along with sponsors. If you think that might be you or your company, email me at eric at turpentine.co. That's E-R-I-K at turpentine.co.